Our next live workshop, Integrating Mind and Heart, will be held online from September 22nd to 24th, 2023. If you want to get closer and trust each other and yourself to get through the hard moments, this is the workshop for you. Sign up at whydoesmypartner.com slash events. Welcome to the Connectfulness Practice Podcast. Here, we settle into the murky, tangled, and freaking hard parts of life to restore our relationship with the self so it can ripple out to the people we love, the work we do, and the world around us. If we can't fix what's wrong, then our grandchildren inherit it. In order to fix what's wrong, we have to talk about it. And we can't move that conversation forward if we're not willing to be real about where we are now. We have to push on the edges of what it means to connect. Otherwise, nothing will ever change. I'm your host, Rebecca Wong, and I'm here to guide you through a series of radically honest conversations about what it means to be truly human in all of its messy, beautiful, hilarious, and heartbreaking glory. In our collective effort of looking inward, we're starting to do the outward work of reconnecting the world. While these discussions will guide you into the connectfulness practice, this podcast is not meant to be a substitute for the depth of work that you'd encounter with a licensed provider. If something in this episode touches you, reach out. That's where you initiate the ripple that restores relationships. You can learn more about my Connectfulness counseling practice and online workshops at connectfulness.com. Welcome back. Today I'm here with Dr. Gina Senarigi, a best-selling author, teacher, sexuality counselor, and an award-winning relationship coach. She's been supporting clean fights and dirty sex in happy, healthy relationships since 2009. Her most recent book, Love More, Fight Less, is a communication workbook for couples who are ready to take action and change communication patterns for good. Her podcast, Swoon, helps listeners cultivate more intimacy and pleasure with weekly tips and tricks for connection. Gina currently leads couple retreats in Chicago and rural Wisconsin and coaches online clients all over the world to have deeper intimacy and more meaningful connection. Dive in with us. The information on this podcast is not a substitute for help from a licensed mental health professional. So folks, we're here today with Gina Senarigi. Gina is someone that I have, oh gosh, been following professionally for a long, long time. I can't even count back how far. And I'm really excited, Gina, to have you here with me today. <laughs> Likewise. But, yeah. uh, before we started recording, I shared that um, that I've been following you for quite a long time too and um, watching your career grow um, and shift. And yeah. it's so wonderful to be able to watch another professional sort of like even if it is from a distance, just adapt and change what they're learning. And 
Um, I don't think we always talk about that in our field, that like a practice starts as one thing and it really does evolve with us. It really does, just like we do, yeah. right? Like <laughs> as we grow and as we mature, so do our practices. And I think that's something I've really appreciated about kind of witnessing you too, is, is mm-hmm. that evolution and kind of feeling into it. Like I feel kind of like, oh, like, you know, we're, we're somewhere near each other. Like even though mm-hmm. not physically in space and we haven't known each other, there's something about that where I'm like, oh, what Gina's doing right now. Yeah, that makes sense to me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yep. Same. And so yeah. many of our um, interests have definitely overlapped or been adjacent <laughs> yeah. for, for a long time. Yeah. I have really appreciated so much of what you share online professionally, which, um, you know, lately have been a lot of questions for mm-hmm. folks to ask and talk to with their with their significant others, with their sweeties. And I find that that is such an important piece. There have been times where I've been like, you know, scrolling through my phone and I come across something that you post on Instagram or something. And I turn to my partner and I say, hey, what do you think of this question? (laughs) We just start going through some of them. And it's just, it's such a beautiful conversation starter that Mm -hmm. you've really been prompting people to to have more difficult conversations and have more conversations. Mm -hmm. And that's why I asked you on today, because I think- that something that we all need to talk about more is kind of, and I like to call it the awkwardness, you know, like I think awkwardness is really needed in our relationships mm-hmm. more. Yeah. But how do we embrace that more? How do we help more people have difficult conversations so that they can have healthier and healthier mm-hmm. relationships? Yeah. I, you're um, really touching on something important there. I often, when we talk about difficult conversations, um, that's synonymous with conflict, and that's <laughs> certainly um, an important area to unpack. And there's a lot of the difficult conversations comes in this like awkward, bumpy, kind of clumsy um, area where we're a little out of practice, just reaching out and asking a question or really being present to listening and asking follow-up questions, like something that simple that's the majority of a relationship, really. I mean, it most totally of our time is. But is I think that. so much we're going through life these days, so connected digitally to, to so many different things and so mm-hmm. preoccupied that often what we get instead in many relationships is like, mm-hmm. you, you yeah. know, and, and there's just, there's not, <laughs> there's not that like attention. Yeah. 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 And um, so often we settle for that response too, right? Like, mm-hmm, yep. Oh, I'm fine. Um, and that's it. How was your day? Right. Great. Okay. That's the end of the conversation. Um, and, and for sure there's room for shorthand, um, right. We all need to not, not necessarily be fully present and on for our partners all the time when we're living together and navigating life. Would we be a little more present sometimes? Yeah. 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 <laughs> and, and it's bumpy, right? Because sometimes mm-hmm. like when, when I'm ready to talk to my, my sweetie, he's not always ready to talk to me. <laughs> and I have learned over the years, I wasn't always good at this. I'm going to be really honest about that. that. Originally, I would take some offense to that. And I would think, mm-hmm. oh, you know, he's not interested in me. Or I'd make up a whole bunch of other stories. Yeah. And I'm we've much. Lost, we've yeah. lost that loving feeling, right? Totally. If we've we're not t- on call all the time. Yeah. yeah. Right there. <laughs> Something's the matter with us. We're not going to make it. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And I've noticed that when I pause more. And wait, often he'll turn back to me and he'll let me know I can be with you in 
five minutes or, you know, mm-hmm. I can give you my full attention when I'm done with this task that you walked mm-hmm. in while I was in the middle of. And that makes a big difference. But yeah, it takes something to notice that slow down a minute. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's so that what I love about that is um, that the, the longer I do this work, the m- more clear it becomes that it is the the simplest things and the tiniest things that are they atrophy the most easily. Yes. <laughs> um, we like subconsciously make meaning out of them most often, right? Um, totally. And they like become this larger narrative or story that sometimes I don't even realize I'm making up because it's just like an accumulation of like tiny debris um, <laughs> that's like between me and the connection I'm wanting, right? Um, I've really been talking a lot with couples about thinking about their connection like microdosing. That instead of so often we think about it like I'm going to plan a vacation for us and then we'll connect when we get to Hawaii we'll finally relax we'll and often we do we have like great vacation sex we're having like really lovely walks and talking about these great dinners we're away from the laundry we don't have to walk the dog and then we come back to our regular life and we are not <laughs> in Hawaii anymore you know there's no beach. Um, the dogs there and all the poop and the laundry. Yeah. It all builds up. And for, for sure. I want to endorse, um, folks taking all the vacations they need and having the big lavish dates and celebrations. And those take, um, effort and resources that, um, this sort of idea of like weaving in like a microdose of connection on a really regular, frequent basis, just making eye contact, yeah. And the follow-up question, like you said, sitting for a minute, letting him take a breath before he responds, right? Such a big deal. Um, it is. And, and I think part of the reason it's a big deal is because of the chatter in our own heads. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? That, that, that like I've lost that loving feeling kind of stuff that you were talking about. Yeah. That's the stuff that makes it a really big deal. Mm-hmm. I did a couple back in back in the day. I used to do um, Vipassana retreats on a regular basis, which is like a 10-day, you don't talk to anybody meditation retreat. And there are other people there, but you don't talk or make eye contact. Or, so it's very, it's intentionally it's, it's like inward. inward focused. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, write nothing. And it was always amazing to me just how much noise I create in here all on my own and how much story I create about everyone around me without really literally at these retreats with no input from them whatsoever. Um, And we don't all have time to take, I don't have time anymore to take 10 days away for quiet. Well, that's not true. I could probably challenge myself to do it, but, um, but I'm not choosing that anymore and not everyone can. And so we don't often get a chance to just see so clearly, oh, there's a lot going on just inside here that I have decided all on my own is true for both of us. Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we don't get a chance to like take a look at that um, and consciously decide, is that true? Do I want to hang on to that? Right. That impacting us, right? Right. Yeah. Right. And so how are those kind of preconceived? I think if we just really notice it, what becomes kind of like right to the surface is that so much of it is like the implicit stories often of the unmet needs from our childhood. Like mm-hmm. I'm expecting that you're not going to see me because I wasn't seen or whatever the mm-hmm. story is. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and going back to those, the um, sort of atrophied or lazy yeah. conversations that we have, um, because there's not a lot of verbal input and often not a lot of like visible, yeah. uh, like exchange happening. That's such a beautiful place for me to project all of those stories or any of them. Yeah. Um, right. Um, just like you're saying like, oh, I'm not being seen here or I'm not valued or you don't care or, um, or there's even like, this is okay. This is normal. This is how we exchange care is, um, without much words, without many words or, or touch or something. Yeah. 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 And so I, I think it's, it's, we're asking people like, you know, if you want to get really healthy in your relationship, part of the ask here is that you're, you're going to have to lean into something that goes against the grain of what you, what typically feels normal for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When I start talking about this, like, can we just give you little droplets of connection (laughs) throughout the day? Right. Um, If we're going to do that, it's going to feel different if our practice has been that we navigate our day around each other without being with each other, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's going to feel a little funny when I give you more eye contact all of a sudden, yeah. or if we haven't looked each other in the face in a while. Yeah. And, I, you know, it might feel giggly or I might feel nervous or I might notice I want to look away. Um, and and that's, the, that's part of the bumpy sort of awkwardness too, is being able to try it anew I mean, anytime I've tried something brand new in my life, I'm pretty bumpy. Yeah. Right. Like I'm teaching one of my kids to ride a bike right now. And he's, it doesn't look like a natural flow just yet. One of my kids is learning to run. It does not look like a, like a natural flow run just yet. It's bumpy. Yeah. Um, But she keeps trying it. And, and I think about that, like, um, we assume that the practice of, of connection and relationship comes without thought or without much intention, but really um, it's a a practice that we have to return to with some intention. And that's the piece, right? So, so there's this practice that we have to return to with intention. And when we're in a relationship with somebody new, right, there's, there's always Mm -hmm. a new piece to return to there and, and ourselves. And even when I'm not in a new relationship, I've been with my current partner for 15 years married, Mm -hmm. right? In that 15 years, we've come through so many changes and I'm not married now to the same person that I married, you know, like it's the same person, but it's not the same person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We grow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I see the way that that sort of um, the projection idea that you were bringing up plays out often a little differently Mm -hmm. in the beginning of meeting someone. It's awkward and bumpy. Um, but I might have a little more curiosity about like, is this, you know, uh, he's not responding in the way I would expect. Is this because he doesn't like me or is this because he's had a busy weekend? Um, but once we're 15 years in, we're more likely to say, oh, he's had a busy weekend. And that may or may not be true. It may be that he's got a lot going on in his mind yep. and uh, actually wants to share it. But if I'm, I noticed that the curiosity factor diminishes Um, over time. Yeah. And there's also a trade-off, right? Like part of that is the familiarity factor is way more present. Like you have had other weekends where you didn't connect as much or where somebody was busy. And so there is some learned pattern behavior 
um, that we, we simply can't have early on in a relationship when you don't have that yeah. same familiarity. Um, so I find myself like in beginning stages of relationship, really working with people to build up more familiarity through transparency and kind of naming and owning, like, what are you thinking? What's going on in there? What's this about for you? And for folks who've been together longer, trying to um, infuse more of that curiosity, like maybe that familiarity is true. Maybe yeah. he could surprise you. <laughs> maybe it yeah. is more awkward than you think. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, as you're talking about that, I'm thinking about something that I work with a lot of my people around that also I, I practice in my own relationship a lot, which is cherishing, right? This like mm-hmm. idea behind, tell me more about what's working. Like what's going really well for you? What I liked it when you did this, or I liked it when you said that. So like an example, the other day, I probably woke up on the wrong side of the bed and my partner came to me like, I don't know, a half hour, an hour after the morning started in our home mm-hmm. and just said, you know, you're, you're starting out a lot of the day with like, can you do this, do this, do this, like directives. I just wanted to let you know that. And I came back to him a few hours later and I said, I loved that you told me that because it really helped me kind of reset. And so that, that like my coming back to him was the cherishing moment because Mm -hmm. I really want to reinforce for him. I want more of that. That worked really well. Yeah. Yeah. And what I hear in that too is like, it tells him you are cherished. You are important, not just the tasks. Right. Right. Um, and, but you and your concern or your question is what matters to me. Um, and it's so easy to get lost in the hustle of our quick conversations and the tasks that we share. There's so, so many. Yeah, of them. I mean, I see that all the time in the couples I work with and in my own relationship for sure. Yeah. Well, we all live in such a busy world right now. Even mm-hmm. even I don't is this post pandemic? Are we still in it? I don't who knows. But sort like of even pandemic. Yeah, <laughs> right? Like even now we're still it's the, the pace of the world is not really conducive to what our relationships need. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Um and what I hear in that like example, it's so great, is that willingness to really slow down, to get curious about what you might have assumed, like this is our mm-hmm. normal day, or right. um, you could have made up a story, he's grouchy today. He's not right. <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but I'm sure there are plenty of times that I did. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. And um, but to like slow down, get curious, and then actually engage, right? Because that's yeah. the other thing. We I might get curious over here, make up more stories, but to actually like extend myself to ask the question and be present for the answer. Again, it's so simple, but it's really easy not to do. It's really easy not to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think w- what I'm thinking of here is, is it, in this example, one of the things that worked is that a lot of it happened in bite-sized pieces. Mm-hmm. Like a piece of information was shared. It was taken in. It was digested over some time. We came back to it. It was taken in. It was digested. We came back to it, right? And so I think that's an important ingredient is that we mm-hmm. don't have to like sit down and like hash it all out and get every, it doesn't have to be everything all the time yeah. that we can chew on things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think about that a lot. Like it feels so urgent sometimes and that urgency 
it's often a part of like a reactive piece of myself coming alive. Right. Um, but there's like an urgency to like fix it, resolve it, um, mm-hmm. come to conclusion right away that, um, that urgency drives people into greater conflict sometimes yeah. than this other model. And so often I find myself saying, um, to my clients, you know, your plan is to be together f- forever. You've got lots of time to talk about <laughs> how we do this, how it impacts you, what it means, what else we could do. We could really, I mean, um, it's, it's, that's part of sitting in the discomfort and the awkward of it. It's not fully resolved. Yeah. But if we can do that, it really does, um, mitigate and minimize a lot of the reactivity and the like intensity of conflict that comes up for so many of us that really is a result of this urgency kind of drive to do it, fix it right now. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I wonder if, if that urgency of that drive is part of this, like kind of perfectionistic culture that we live in. Right. I think so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and how much that teaches all of us that like there there's the urgency, but there's also like not space. There's not space to like, for things to be messy mm-hmm. for our relate, like for us just to kind of feel into like, well, if I have space to feel into what's not working, then maybe I could figure out what I actually need. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, and we have, a, I think we have an illusion that, that we can somehow just dis- avoid discomfort. Like if I made enough money or if I did enough drugs or if I, if I had a better chair or whatever, like or if I have find a better lover or yeah. 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 Like there's some pathway to like, then I won't feel uncomfortable anymore. And that's an illusion. Yeah. 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 Right. Like if we were a great partnership, we never would feel uncomfortable or disappointed and yeah. That is not true. We're going to be disappointed. We're going to disappoint each other. We're going to have discomfort. Hopefully that's not the majority of the time. And we've got some tools to work through it and around it. Um, but like that, that is an illusion Yeah, <laughs> that leads us to a lot of numbing and distancing and um, instead of being present to, and I think actually like flowing through what's real. Yeah, I, I think you're really like nailing it right there. I, I I think that we don't live in a society that allows us to know how to process discomfort, how to digest it, and what to make of it. Because inside of our discomfort is wisdom. Like mm-hmm. it can guide us towards the next right step, mm-hmm. which may be moving ourselves away from something that doesn't feel good or putting up you know, understanding more about what boundaries we need or learning how to speak up for ourselves, mm-hmm. right? Like there, there's so many different things that can come out of discomfort. But when we avoid the discomfort, we avoid those learnings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I um, have this really sweet conversation. I learned so much from my kids right now mm-hmm. um, because they're they're like, um, not socialized to the point yet where they might, I'm hoping they never will be, but they, <laughs> they really are just so honest. They're so honest. Um, and uh, so my four-year-old the other day uh, met a family member and he, and the family member was playing with him and it was an adult. And um, 
my kiddo came over to me later and said, mama, I don't like that person. And I was like, hmm, what's that? You know, I, and I could have said, oh, no, no, no. Sure. You like that person. That's a family member. That would totally be one option. Right. But I said, oh, you know, what's going on. Right. So there's a way to engage yeah. right in that moment. What's going on with that person? And he said, I told him to stop tickling me and he didn't listen. Mm, boundary. Yeah. Right. And so it was great because just that one, like what's going on question, I was able yeah. to talk with him about, okay, what do we do about boundaries? Right. Um, I'm really glad you told me. That's one great thing. You can always tell another grown up. Um, and you know, um, what else, what other options do you have? And, um, he came up with, he was, he wanted to say, you're not listening to me. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, but it was great because it came, it, we had like a whole fruitful conversation just from like sitting with it. It did bring up for me a little like resistance of like, oh no, I want to protect my kid, but I also want to honor that this family member does not know that they're not respecting a boundary uh, and is innocently trying to play with the kid. Uh, you know, like, so, so I could have gone into like a reactive, like fix it, resolve it. Um, I'm the adult, so I should have all the answers showed up. Right. But being able to just like sit with like, oh, I feel pulled in all these directions. Let me ask my kid what right. he wants. He came up with it on his own. So beautiful. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. And, I'm, and I'm thinking about so many of the adults that I work with who have learned to bypass that. Mm-hmm. Right? Who like now in therapy, I'm having the conversations with them that you're having with your kiddo at four. Yeah. Because yeah. nobody was there to have those conversations when they were four. So mm-hmm. now they're learning how to have them with themselves. Yeah. Right. Like that's, I, I, I think that's like an illustration of, of just like when we bypass the discomfort, mm-hmm. what the cost of it is. Yeah. 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 I mean, you're, um, I think the podcast is called Connectfulness. It right? is. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I, so often, you know, in our work, because you and I both work with relationships, I think we talk about the connection between two people. Yeah. And so much of that really starts with being able to connect with ourselves. Yeah. And like you said, like slow down, check in, listen. And we're not often taught to do that as little kids. Most people aren't, don't get that listening. No, most or don't not. get that learning. Yeah. yeah. My, my kiddos have been teaching it to me too. They're a little older than yours, but like not long ago. I got a little bit too harsh with my oldest who's Mm -hmm. like on the verge of becoming a teenager. And it was, it was one of those, like, I need you to do this right now. Like, no, you need to do, you need to listen to me and do, it was one of those conversations. Right. And my child came up to me later and said, I really just needed you to slow down and give me a hug. And then I could listen Mm. like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Where did I learn that I needed to push you so much? And you're so right. Like what I need to do is like slow down and take that in and listen because you're offering me the medicine that our relationship Mm -hmm. needs, right? Mm -hmm. There's something about our ability to take that in and like bear witness to it as parents, but as humans, like I'm finding that it it shows up everywhere in all of our relationships all the time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, that is such a great example too of one uh, one of the like awkward, bumpy conversations that happens too, yeah. is like when there's been harm done, yes. right? Totally. We do harm. We do harm, and we, do it. we have this idea that we could avoid that also, but we're gonna do it. Um, 
and getting really good at being able to do some of the cleanup um, and tending to it without a complete shame spiral or shutdown or getting defensive um, takes so much practice. Um, right. Cause it, I think about that example, it, it would be so easy for so many of us parents. The world has a lot of messaging about what a good parent is and what they should do. They should never be a little harsh or a little rushing with their kid. Right. Um, it would be so easy to shame spiral in that moment so and not, not validate the kid's experience and then like learn from it. Right. Um, but being able to connect with yourself and connect with the kid and kind of stay grounded, helps you navigate through what uh, I, what then can become a moment of connection with him, a moment of connection with yourself, yeah. right? And deepening intimacy for all of you. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah and I, I think it's, it's like our defenses that get in the way because mm-hmm. we so don't want to feel badly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And so I, I could very easily in that kind of example, go to, well, you weren't listening to me. Mm-hmm. instead of actually listening to my kiddo. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. You could explain, you could, um, <laughs> there's all yeah, kinds of ways. There's so many different ways. Unintentionally minimize what he brought to you. Yeah. Right. Totally. Yeah. You know, what's coming up, what I'm thinking about is Edtronics work. Have you, mm-hmm. are you familiar with the power of discord? The new book, newish no. book. Okay. So so I'm just going to, I'm going to give you a tiny little bit because like I geek out on, on it a little bit, but um, I'm going to let you digest it yourself. But essentially that what comes out of those work, Edtronic and Claudia Gold, they wrote this book together and they're saying basically like the right magic proportions for a healthy, attuned, secure relationship is like 30, 30, 30. So 30% of the time, we are well attuned to each other and we get like, I understand what you need and I'm there for you. 30% of the time there's a complete mismatch and I totally miss you. And that's just the way it is. Mm -hmm. And 30% of the time I miss you. And I notice that I missed you and I tune back in towards repair. I may get the repair right or not, but I made the attempt towards it or we made the attempt towards it. Mm -hmm. And that 30, 30, 30 happens to be like the magic number of what we need in relationship. Yeah. How cool is that? Like it gives so much permission to be freaking human. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and it talked uh, to me, it speaks some without having read it. It speaks yeah. some to the, like the power of um, that engagement. Like, you know, when you're talking about both of the examples you gave were of times when either you or a partner or, um, or your kid, like circled back, right? Like yes. you could have just let it lie. Totally. Um, and so often we do that. And how powerful it is when any of us are are either like we extend an apology. Yeah. Maybe we extend um like a I think about that like repair attempt factor of like how powerful it is when there's been a misunderstanding um or just something a little off. Maybe yeah. it's not even a misunderstanding, but just when I have an off day and somebody comes back later and says, Hey, you seemed a little quiet there. What's going on? Right. Right. That choice to engage and to circle back with me deepens intimacy at such like such a powerful level. Right. I know you haven't read the book yet, but you got the whole, just (laughs) great. (laughs) I I will. I am going to look at it though, because that when you described it, it really resonates for me. Yeah. 
Yeah. And so that's the point. The point is that we build intimacy and trust in the moments when things don't go well and we make the attempt towards the repair. We can't actually build more intimacy and trust when things go well. Mm-hmm. Well, the other thing I'm, I don't know what this, this book in particular would say about it, but I'm, when we talk about having yeah. difficult conversations, um, I think about how much of my work and some of why RLT really resonated with me is um, so much of my work sometimes is saying hard truths yeah. and saying them with compassion. Right. Yes. And there, that's the fine line. I see that, um, you know, I'll say something to a partner sometimes like, oh, wow. Um, that was a lot of judgment showing up there, buddy, you know, like, and, yeah. um, and you know, they'll hear it from me and their partner will be like, I've said that a hundred times. Um, <laughs> but they're saying it with contempt or blame yes. or right. And so, Um, And that's not to say like they're doing it wrong and I'm doing it right or something. It's just that um, in that moment, being able to say the hard truths or to hold, you know, to say like, I also see you, not only did I see you were a little quiet today, I saw that you, you know, when your partner started talking, you kind of scowled and then you interrupted them each time this topic came up. What's that about, right? Like being curious, open and loving about it allows us to explore it, but it can be hard. It can be really hard to say that thing because they maybe don't want to know that they made a scowly face or they maybe don't want to notice that. Yeah. And I think one of the things that really differentiates it, especially when when it's from a therapist versus a partner, because, you know, our partners Mm -hmm. hold so much, we we each hold so many stories about each other, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But when it comes from a therapist, one of the things I think that really can shift it is when it's held and I see the wholeness of you, like I really see how much you're trying and what a good person you are. Yeah. And there's this thing that I don't think is helping you very much in your relationship. Yeah. Yeah. How often it's our job to be like, Hey, you're kind of standing in your own way there. I know this is what you want and look, you just stepped on your own foot, sweetie, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what so many of us need, right? Like that, that compassion that you're kind of voicing right there, like the way you're mm-hmm. stepping on your own foot and I'm going to point it out for you, mm-hmm. that you turn to, to look at yourself. I think that's like 85% of the work in relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I would definitely agree with that stat. <laughs> I made it up on the go. So I thought it resonates. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think about, um, I also am just thinking about globally, there's so much reckoning and like um, we're looking more consciously yeah. at like accountability in like larger community settings. And I, you know, I often think about how many lost opportunities there are to step into, I mean, and this, there's a whole lot of, um, this is super simplifying giant topics, but I think about how much lost opportunity for connection and repair there is in, in communities when there's been harm done and we, our culture doesn't step into like, Oh, this was harmful. Let's look at the harm that was done without like even getting into fault or blame or what the outcome needs to be. But can we just honor the harm and the impact that's here? Um, But so quickly we go into that, like finger pointing, blaming, solving, resolving, because it's really difficult to honor the the extreme sometimes harm that yeah. has been done in our culture or in our communities. 
And I wish that we collectively could hold that a little bit more carefully um, and give it some presence. I hope that's an edge that we're all growing. Like it's, it's a dream of mine, but I, I think that whether we're talking about it in our most intimate, like in our home relationships, or we're talking about it in the larger community, like the one we live in or the globe, right? Like the whole, the wholeness of it. Mm-hmm. Terry Real talks about like a trifecta around apologies, which is empathy, mm-hmm. accountability, and vulnerability, vulnerability, that we need all three of those, right? That an apology is not an apology without empathy, accountability, and vulnerability. So I need to be able to see, yeah, like right? It's a good one. <laughs> yeah. And I think that that is often so much of what's missing. Like I think of the places where I hold unmet needs for my own childhood. And I think, God, it was one of those three things that was missing. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that's still what I'm looking for in that, like, you know, yeah. image I have of my caregiver or, you know, yeah. it's the thing that when I get really mad at my partner or in my community, when the local school district doesn't communicate with me, well, it's one of the, you know, so like in all of those places, mm-hmm. that's the thing is I, I want one of those three things and it's missing. But I really need all of them. But like, it's usually there's something in there missing. Yeah. Wow, that's powerful. That's the therapy that I'm going to take uh, for my own medicine <laughs> and unpack a little yeah. bit more. Um, but that's so it's so right on. Um, and thinking about how it, um, I think sometimes I work with a lot of folks who are sort of therapy yeah. resistant. That's been one of the things that's happened since uh, formally leaving therapy to be a coach. Um, there are a lot of folks who will say, I never want to yep. go to therapy, but I will come see you. And um, I hear that too. And, and I'm a therapist. It, <laughs> yeah. Um, and how often still, um, so I get this little bit of resistance sometimes when I'm like, well, tell me about in your mm-hmm. family of origin, what was your yeah. experience of connection or what was your experience of making mistakes or what was your experience of um, accountability. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, there's often a little like, "Mm, this feels too much. Get you're getting close to the therapy stuff I was trying to avoid. Um, but there's so much power in starting to understand how those early life experiences, I think like in the book, I call them, they like create a default setting through which I start to interpret, um, the rest of the world. Consciously and subconsciously. Yeah, yeah very much so. Yeah. And and you know, I think the 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 middle one that you you pointed out there, the make how did what did you learn about making mistakes, right? Like that blows mm-hmm. people's minds when I start talking about it with them. Yeah. Right? Like what how yeah. did people respond when when you messed up? Were you allowed to be imperfect? Mm-hmm. Like, what if you made a mess? <laughs> yeah. 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 Now I'm thinking about several of my clients, (laughs) right? I can think about every one of my clients because that, that Mm -hmm. seems to like encapsulate so much of where we hold and get stuck relationally, because Mm -hmm. often I think one of the like invisible harms in our lives that many of us carry into adult relationships is that there wasn't room for me not to be perfect. Right. In whatever way, maybe it was, I needed to be perfect in this way or that way, or what, but there was something mm. that I needed to present that I really had my ish together. Yeah. 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 I think, um, I'm, where I went was thinking about several of the folks and this is 
some overlap with what you're talking about, who um, today do a lot of controlling and a lot of like careful structured mm-hmm. planning and organizing to minimize the possibility of mistake making now because mistake making seems so dangerous or so harmful, right? Um, and so scary. And um, when I, um, one of the things I loved in the, when I did my daring weight training with Brene all those years ago is she, she'd like had us all, all of us perfectionist um, therapists in the room. Is that like everybody? Take out our binders. We'd, <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> we, she made everyone do it. We had to take out our binders that were like all carefully organized, right? With like perfectly copied sheets. And, you know, and I, um, I was one of many who I was going to go home and like photocopy these to give out because that was, we still used paper back then. And she said, I want you to take one of the markers from the middle of the table and I want you to scribble on this sheet. And then we're going to flip to another sheet and we're going to scribble on that one. And then we're going to draw a face on this. We went through like five different (laughs) sheets and just like made a mess in our workbooks um, right from the go. And, um, And it was perfectly imperfect and intentional mistake making almost seems like uh, a practice that more of us could get into, right? Like I think about watercolor painting has been a really great tool for so many clients over the years because it's not something you can perfect very easily. Um, It's not something most of us have a lot of skill built up in or practice with. Um, or other like art forms, dance, right. Movement. You were talking about somatics earlier, right. Like coming into our bodies. You know what you're making me think about early in my career. I, uh, trained, um, around sex and relationship therapy Mm. and she, she would talk about shower sex and she would say, I love shower sex because it's so awkward and you're always going to get weird noises and awkward positions and not, something's not going to go right. Mm-hmm. And like, that's what things are supposed to be. They're supposed to like not be perfect. Mm-hmm. They're supposed to be awkward and messy. And that is where like the creativity and, um, you know, the curiosity comes in because you, you have to figure it out mm-hmm. from there. That's where you start to connect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have, I thought you were going to head a different direction, but I have one of my teachers at one point talked about shower sex because it's not for many people, it's not a common um, place where they can orgasm easily. And so it really forces you to center being present and full of pleasure, right? Like just enjoy being naked (laughs) together, which is similar to what we were saying earlier about like coming into these like imperfect sort of awkward, right? Like there's a weird wall here. There's a half thing there. What are we going to do about the curtain? We're different heights. Um, And yeah. 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 Um, And, and just being in it like fully, it also creates a lot of room for play when we're in those, like maybe not intentionally, but like obviously imperfect sort of situations. And and I think if I can come back to kind of what you said before that it's difficult to orgasm. So it puts the focus back on the pleasure. I think in so mm-hmm. many ways, I think sex is, is an easy one for us to look at this in. But I think in a lot of places in our life, we get so focused on a particular goal, like penetrative or orgasmic mm-hmm. sex, that we lose yeah. the focus of, oh, this feels good and I'm enjoying being in this with you. Mm-hmm. I'm learning something about yeah. us or you or me in this moment. Yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking about a date we went on not that long ago. Um, and sometimes our dates 
it can feel high pressure because because we don't it's we pay for a sitter we've scheduled it in advance right look we both make sure we get enough sleep and caffeine so that we can stay up late enough to enjoy being out right and we're spending money i mean it's like it could be high stakes and um one thing that has worked really well for us is there is a very clear agreement that whatever it is we end up doing on these date nights it is we're going to make the mm-hmm. most of it right and i think um, we went out this summer to try a new restaurant and there was live music and it was the worst, <laughs> <laughs> the worst <laughs> performance. I, we likened it to, um, in best in show, the couple who sings about their dogs, that little, I don't know. Anyway, I'm going to um, find it now. <laughs> it's, it's hilarious uh, and terrible. You would never choose, um, to listen to it all night, but we did because that's where we were. Um, <laughs> And, and, you know, like, and I can think about phases in my life or partnerships I've been in where I would have sulked. I would have been like, oh, bummer. This sucks. I don't want to do this. And, um, and just like been digging your heels into like, this is is awful. Yeah. Yeah. I'm disappointed because we're spending money. I wanted this to be special. I'm like, and then I'm getting closed off. Right. Versus like, uh, we had this choice. Do we stay here and just like make the most of it? Or do we go do something else and make yeah. the most of that? Right. And um, we stayed and we laughed and it was so, it was fun um, and yeah. memorable in this way, but because the, it was like a conscious choice to stay and make the most of it. And I think often there's like a similarity with that, with yeah. like um, couples who don't have much sex or haven't had a lot of room for sexual connection. There can be all this pressure of like, okay, this is the time we do it the first Saturday of the month and, or we're going away we're, we have to make it really good. And, you know, sex is also awkward or bumpy or imperfect. And um, if it doesn't go exactly the way that we thought it would, there's some disappointment yeah. It gets derailed and we end up in that kind of like sulky, pouty, disappointed place and we they're, they're, we don't yeah. connect. And then there, there's like even more disappointment. Yeah. Right? I, I think that's so beautiful the way that I, I love, I love the story of your date and it could have easily been one of those sulky, pouty, disappointed places. I've been on plenty of those dates with my partner, you know, like, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I've stayed there for like a week, <laughs> right? And it's not been <laughs> yep. fun. And then to make that shift into like, what could this be? Mm-hmm. Right. When we make yeah. the most of it, even something that's like hilariously awful. Right. Yeah. It was pretty yeah. terrible. <laughs> the music was the day. Yeah, well, you're right. You're, the company was you know? great. It sounds like, you know, like the fact, because, and part of that is yeah. that you both weren't in that sulky place. Because had mm-hmm. you been there, it yeah. would have not been as great a date. Yeah. Right. Had either of us. Yeah. There. But certainly yeah. not for the one of you that went to the sulky place. It might have been okay for the other one, mm-hmm. but certainly wouldn't yeah. have been as great. I've, I've been working a lot with a couple right now um, where we're focusing so much on valuing connection above yeah. all else. Connection with each other and connection yeah. to myself. Um, and so, you know, and I think about them in particular, I used this example talking with them and, you know, things like ego or being right mm-hmm. or being accurate, um, or justice, like there's other things that, um, 
And I'm not saying those things aren't important, right? Like being right, being accurate can totally have its place. Justice is important. Fairness is important. And sometimes I can be, I can, I can be so like caught up in my disappointment or my like reaction around that stuff that I totally forget to connect with myself and what's really important to me. And I lose the opportunity to connect with my partner because they're clearly wrong or they're, yeah. you know, whatever. Um, and I, yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed being able to have this conversation about like, what would it mean if our, if our only goal was connection? Right. 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 Um, not orgasm, not uh, balancing the budget, not getting to school on time, but connecting. Yeah. Yeah, I I think about that a lot too. And I talk about it with a lot of my couples, like, because we can get our agendas really mixed up, especially when we're in the heat of a moment, right? Like my agenda becomes needing you to see it my way, or my agenda becomes, Mm -hmm. you know, that you, whatever the thing is, but what if we can have this, like, almost like a meta moment, like outside of being in the heat of the moment, right? My own therapist would say, Mm -hmm. it's like when the iron is cold, (laughs) (laughs) Right. So in those kind of moments, if we can have a conversation and agree that like our agenda is connection, then -hmm. when we're in the heat of those moments, Mm -hmm. if we can remember that, how might that shift things? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. If it becomes um, like, then we're Mm -hmm. united. Yeah. We have the same goal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think um, I even see folks like um, we'll get into conflict about how to connect. Um, right. <laughs> and even that can get in the way of actual right. connection. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, there was something else that I picked up in, in your book that um, is, is something that I really resonated with. And, you know, we haven't actually talked about your book. Let's talk about it for a minute. It's called love more fight okay. less. It's a relationship workbook for couples that's filled with communication skills that every couple needs. And um, I, I think that folks should pick this up. And I think it would be like, God, if there's a couple that you know in your life that is like moving into some transitionary moment or something, it would be a great gift. You know, mm-hmm. it's just such a beautiful, it's, it's a beautiful little workbook to really help people think this stuff through. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah. And so often folks want tangible like tools, like what can we actually do? Yeah. Well, do you can do the moment. workbook. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Because the, the tools, I don't think that there's any relationship tools that are like one size fits all, mm-hmm. but it, it's, it's, it's a lot about introspection and like, what did I learn? Where did I learn it? How does it benefit me? How does it get in the way of this relationship, <laughs> right? And yeah. so where I was going originally was to talk about, but maybe we don't even need to go there, but it also feels part of this, is to talk about kind of like shifting from judgment to curiosity, how much mm. of a big deal that actually is. Yeah, yeah. And how often, um, again, I think um, our culture has so many ideas about right and wrong, should, enough, not enough. And it can be really yeah. difficult to actually um, identify like, oh, this is judgment presenting in this moment, right? I um, I think about um, 
there's like ways that we define health or not healthy as good or bad, good or bad bodies, good or bad grades. Um, you know, and the more that we get into that binary of good or bad, right or wrong. Um, I think about it shows up a lot with like measurements Mm -hmm. and comparisons. Mm -hmm. Um, and so often my work with folks is even, um, before we can move from judgment to curiosity, we have to know when judgment is present. And it, it can be hard to notice at times. Right. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. I think in part, it's hard to notice because it can kind of feel good to be the one doing the judging, right? Mm -hmm. Like we feel better that it's a little intoxicating. Yeah. Yeah. My way's right. Yeah. I've got it. What's the matter with you? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. How often I um, actually use the phrase around my house a lot that because we, it's one that like shows up in my mind when I'm in judgment and now it's laughable because we've, we can identify it together, my partner and I, but I will say like, this would be so much easier if we all did it my way. I'm sure it would, yeah, by the way. Why can't everyone just, yes. <laughs> why can't we all just do things my way? Um, and that actually came out of, there was a, like almost like a meditation I would say for myself. Um, when I was frustrated, that was like, there's more than one way to do this. There's more than one way to do this, you know, but, um, in learning to combine Ah. lives, there are a lot of moments when that was coming up for me, it comes up for a lot of people and having that, like working through it in this way of being able to just say out loud, uh, this thing is happening. There's judgment present. (laughs) Um, and I, um, you know, one of the ways that it showed up early on, I've heard this from a lot of clients over the years is as new parents, um, often one person thinks their way to parent is the right way or the better way, um, whether it's bedtime or snacks or whatever. And what happened, what was happening for me is that became a place where I could try and exhibit yeah. control. Uh, and then I would resent my partner for me doing all the things, right? See how that's like a whole spin cycle. So that for me, it actually came in at a place where I was realizing I'm really overwhelming myself by taking on too much here, by trying to manage everything, by even trying to manage how my partner does things. But like I had to really step back. Um, and it started from that place of self-connection, Yeah, um, not even from like realizing the dynamic between us, but like, oh, I am not connecting with myself and that's why I'm becoming resentful. And you know that I'm not advocating for what I need or I'm not, you know, um, to the point where then I'm like sitting in my car, like there's more than one way to do this. <laughs> and that's okay. The kids are going to be fine. He's going to be fine. You know? Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's huge, right? Like I have finally learned that resentment, that anger, like I welcome these feelings now in a different way than I ever have because they're not so scary anymore. Mm -hmm. But I think that's part of the work of tuning in and trying to figure me out is that now that I'm more comfortable doing that, I can notice like, oh, I'm I'm really not feeling good about something here. Okay, Mm -hmm. wait, what does that mean? What do I need right now? Like if, mm-hmm. if I'm starting to feel resentful, then I'm probably not asking for what I need somewhere. Yeah. Yes. Or I probably right. said yes, but I meant no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How often I will project out like, you're not listening to me or no one's taking care of me. And re- really 
that's like, that needs to come back here where, um, did you ask for what you need to me? Yeah. I need to take care of me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. When I feel like no one else is listening, odds are good. I haven't been listening myself. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Odds are really good that there's a lot of time in my life that that is exactly what is needed. Mm-hmm. Is like tune in and check in. Mm-hmm. Do that U-turn and figure. So I I intend to talk about this with all my people is learning how to turn on that observational self. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that solves much of what yeah. goes wrong in relationships because when I project that stuff out on my partner, I'm just not cleaning up my mess and then they're stepping into it and they're not going to take mm-hmm. care of it because they don't really know how to take care of it because it's probably all my unmet needs that they have nothing to do with it to yeah. do with. Yeah. 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 I, um, one of the um, exercises that actually I think is in the book um, because I do it with everyone um, is to ask folks to, to answer before we start any interaction, especially one that might be loaded with some tension or, you know, mm-hmm. might need more care. Um, is to list out what are my hopes in this? Yep. What am I hoping for here? What are my concerns here? And then what are my needs for support from them and also from me, right? So maybe my needs for support are like, I need to take a nap and drink some water before I have this yeah. conversation. Or I, um, you know, my hope is that you'll hear me um, is different than my hope is you will admit I'm right, right? <laughs> Or my hope is you'll you'll at least consider my view, right? Like there are different ways that I might be able to identify that hope. But um, so often we'll come out with the concern is a lot of like projection mm-hmm. of you. I'm worried you'll cut me off and never change, right? Or right. I'm worried this will result in a big fight when all I want to do is talk about dishes or something. Right. Um, but the more we can get clear about some of those parts... Um, and this last weekend, uh, when I was at a, an intensive with a couple, we, um, they said something so many folks say where like, there are parts of myself, I feel like I can't bring to the relationship. And so I had them write those, what are the hopes, concerns, and support needs for that part? Yeah. Right. Like what's that particular part needing? Or like you were saying, like, often there's like parts of myself that come with me from history. Yeah. (laughs) What are those parts? needing right now are like, what are their hopes? What are their concerns and what are their support needs? And that helps me then decide hmm, those parts of myself from the past or the part of myself that I've locked away somewhere in a tower. Are there things I need to be doing that to take care of her, those pieces um, helps me then. So they've got a little foundation once I decide if I'm going to share them with my partner. Yeah. Like what other things my partner could do to help support them? Yeah. So it, it strikes me as you're talking about that, that there's like a, a bit of a differentiation process in there, right? Like, because mm-hmm. you have to understand it enough mm-hmm. to kind of, to then be able to even ask for what it is that you really need. Yeah. 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 And in order to understand it, and this is bringing us all the way back to the very beginning of our conversation, but yep. we have to sit with it and how yeah. it's not always comfy. I don't like that there are parts of myself I'm not bringing here, right? Yeah. I don't like that um, parts of myself are calling out for more attention. And yet if um, we don't sit with them, that's where they show up and they they give us other problems. Like I, I think 
So mm-hmm. many of the people I work with that come in for infidelity, mm-hmm. it's that's what's underneath it is there are parts of me that I didn't bring into this relationship. And mm-hmm. so they showed up in other places. Yeah. Yeah. And or like there were parts I didn't bring. I didn't trust you. Yeah. Or say to you, I'm not bringing them. Right. Like there's some kind of gap there. Yeah. That I let go unaddressed. What's, you know, what's going and on it, in there? It's that unaddressed stuff that over time eats mm-hmm. away at the intimacy between two people yeah. or three people. Usually or unaddressed because it's awkward, bumpy, and uncomfortable. Right. Yeah. To say, like, huh, I notice I'm like avoiding being around you more lately. I notice like I'm really cranky with you or you're cranky with me seeming, right? Like what, what is something's up with us, right? I noticed we haven't had a date night in a year. Huh. Yeah. Oh, those are those are hard conversations when we talk about the difficult conversations. They are hard. But they're also the exact ones we need to be having. Right. Stop with us. Does something feel off to you? I don't I think when things feel off, like I I think about this, like I use the analogy of like, I used to run a lot. I don't run as much now as I used to, but when I was running, if something felt off, like if my, if there was chafing happening in my shoe or something like that, or my knees were bothering me, like I had to tune into that if I wanted to keep running, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, like I couldn't just push through those things and expect that there wouldn't be some kind of cost. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that that's true in our relationships too. Like there are things that chafe at us that don't feel good, that are uncomfortable. And if we push through them, there might be a cost. But if we slow down and we look at them and like, okay, well, what needs some adjustment here? Um, Ray, my partner and I um, have done several Instagram live um, videos where we work through parts of my workbook. Um, And he often will say, Part of why we're strong, he'll say, is because um, it, he's married to a couple's therapist and I know what to track. And there's some truth to that. But what's more true is that I simply will say, something seems off. Something <laughs> is not sitting right. And then we have conversations about that, right? Yeah. Um, so it's not like there's some magical, super skillful, enlightened couple's therapy thing I do. It's simply that I would name, hmm. Not comfortable. <laughs> yeah, feels weird here. What's going on? And uh, or and now and he does that too. He doesn't always credit himself, but um, he does that too, right? And that yeah. that alone, um, when I think about the really hard things that we've been through, the cancer and infertility and all of that, sure, that's been challenging. But it's easier to go through those things. Because we have the skills of naming something is weird or off or different. I don't like it. <laughs> right. right? Um, right. And sit through that together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a practice. It's like a lifelong mm-hmm. practice. It's not something that all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, it's not hard to do that anymore. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's a practice. Like, thank you. Just like running where like I can get really good at it and then I can stop and my knees will be sore when I start again, or I will need to be more careful about tripping when I start again. <laughs> like I have to keep up the practice and return to it. Yeah. Um, right. And when we use the word practice, like I think again, in our perfectionist culture, there's this idea of like, I practice and then I get good at it. And so I graduate from that practice and I never have to do it again. And instead it's like, just keep being awkward. Yeah. Yeah. I get better at being in the awkward practice. Yeah. 
Yeah. Now, like, I think that's the goal is that like, I'm, I'm practiced. So now I know how to stay in the practice when I, when it gets awkward. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, Gina, thank you so much. Yeah. Joining me. I'm so glad you invited me. Oh my God. Yeah. Me too. (laughs) This has been such a treat. And, um, you know, I'd love for our listeners to to know where they can find you. Like I, the Spoon mm-hmm. Podcast is coming to yeah. mind, right? Yeah. My website's heygina.com. Um, I uh, have a little, a little online um, relationship skills course that kind of mirrors some of the work in the book. Um, really, that's um, developed to build like a foundation. It's the skills that I, when now after, you know, over a decade doing this work, there's so many skills that come up time and time again, where I'm like, oh, I wish, like you said, most of us don't get training on how to do relationships early in our life. And then we, we get really down on ourselves about like, why, why, what's wrong with me that I have this funny pattern I keep doing over and over again and I don't like it. Well, um, odds are good. You know, nobody's ever kind of spelled out and given you an opportunity to practice this skill. And so that's what the course is. Um, swoonwithus.com is where folks can find that. Um, and yeah, that's where people can find me right now. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. We'll include all of that in our show notes. Great. And I, I am just delighted to have spent the past hour with you. Thank you. Thank you. I hope today's conversation has offered you new insight into difficult conversations and why they are just so freaking important for all of our relationships. Learn more about my counseling practice, intensives, and online workshops over at connectfulness.com. And if you haven't already, check out our sister podcast, Why Does My Partner? Why Does My Partner tackles questions from listeners who want help in relationship. These questions, your questions, send them in, are relationship gold. They echo the conversations that take place over and over again in our therapy offices and take us deep into conversations around the skills that are right at the heart of relationship intimacy, greater health, and fulfillment. Jules, Vicky, and I also offer essential skills relationship boot camps. You can learn more about those at whydoesmypartner.com. You can listen to this podcast wherever you get your audio. We'd love if you follow and subscribe to the show, share it with those who may also be interested. I want to express my deepest gratitude to the musicians behind the beautiful soundtrack for this podcast, Sarah and Chris Ferris, who recorded and mixed this music at Kidney Stone Studio. And thank you, dear listeners. It's such a pleasure to be on this journey with you. This podcast is produced by me, Rebecca Wong, and it's copyrighted by Connectfulness Counseling. And we'd love to hear from you. Please follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram over at Connectfulness. Take care and be well. Until next time.
Our next live workshop, Integrating Mind and Heart, will be held online from September 22nd to 24th, 2023. If you want to get closer and trust each other and yourself to get through the hard moments, this is the workshop for you. Sign up at whydoesmypartner.com slash events.